0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. Uh, I'm your host, Chef Matt, and uh, we got a great show lined up today. Um, we are not in the kitchen. Today we are, what are we, we're, we're going to call this the library. <laughs> uh, calling it the library because we are going to learn a bunch of facts, just uh, breaking down a bunch of uh, the science behind things, why we do things, and all that fun stuff, which we typically do on this show, but I also try to like to get you know, into the kitchen, um, and check that out, you know, so I like to cook with you guys, like to make sure that, uh, what I'm talking about is legit, which I would say about 99% of the time it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, today's show, what is it about today? We are talking, uh, the second part of pizza dough and then what to do on your pizza sauce. You know, this is part of the pizza series, uh, we're breaking down pizza all the way to the basics. We are breaking down all kinds of, you know, misconceptions about pizza and what it is and, you know, why we do it and what, where it came from and all that fun stuff. And, you know, the next couple of shows is going to be all about pizza, 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 pizza. Uh, pizza is a very close to my heart uh, type of food. Um, I love it very much. I have built a career around it and. Also supported my family and found a great deal of pleasure and love around this round piece of food that we cut into triangles. Well, sometimes round, sometimes square, sometimes whatever. You know, float your boat. I've seen footballs out there. Shoot, I've made a couple of footballs. And if you know, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, you know, first first off, what are we drinking? What are we drinking today? Today, I am drinking some of my homemade, scratch-made hot cocoa mix. Uh, this is the first time I've did this. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was an experiment, a lot of different recipes and trying and adjusting, And but I came up with a pretty good one. Um, I'm going to post it online for you guys, uh, but I made it uh, in bulk for a giant uh, Christmas gift and uh it's a lot of fun but this one is it's really nice so i got a uh some hot water some steamed milk a little bit of that rumble myth, and uh, my hot cocoa mix and uh that ladies and gentlemen is the ultimate holiday drink well actually let me let me back up a little bit that plays uh, a close oh i don't even know i can't even say a first or second but i am a eggnog lover so uh, we're gonna have a whole show well not a whole show we'll have about a half a show on eggnog and uh, all of the goodness that comes with that but uh, this or eggnog is my holiday drink of choice Um, it's a fairly brisk night finally got cold here in the Northwest which thank you because we want snow in the mountains Uh, but um, finally feeling that that wintry uh, push for today. So I bet you're probably wondering. I mean, I haven't actually gone into detail on like why it is that I tell you what I'm drinking. Because it seems kind of off the ball or off the wall if you don't know what I'm talking about, right? So why is it? Why do why do I tell you? Because, you know, when so put yourself, you know, in your mind, let's let's envision yourself sitting down to a restaurant. Okay. You're with some friends, you're with your wife, your girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, whatever you want to call. You're with somebody special. let's just say that. And server comes up. What's the first thing they ask you? All right, guys, what are we having to drink tonight? Have you guys had a chance to look at the menu? blah blah blah. But what are we having to drink? Why is that? Does anybody know why uh, they ask that? Aside from the reason of, you know, trying to build the the check to make a higher tip, um, which is a part of it. But, you know, speaking, technically speaking, and where it came from and why we serve drinks before food is there's a term for that. And that term is it's called an aper, aperitif. I think I'm saying that right. aperitif. So what this is, is. Generally, okay, and back in the day when it first became, it really popped up in uh, French culture, Um, but there was some medieval times that uh, I actually found what they did for their aperitif. And um, generally, it's an alcoholic drink. Um, It doesn't have to be an alcoholic drink. If it's not an alcoholic drink, then it is more of a citrus-based or um, anything to basically get those uh, the, the taste buds ready and prepared for a meal, right? So we all know, um, well, maybe you don't, but some of you, most of you might know this, that like, when you drink, you get hungry. There's a reason for that, right? You know, there's something going on in the brain when alcohol hits it. And, uh, it, it's, it's a really interesting chemical balance that happens, but it also sets us up. It wets the appetite, is like the, like we like to say it is. It wets the appetite. It, it prepares the taste buds. It improves digestion. Um, like I said, most I would say most cases you are going to see are an alcoholic drink. Uh, my drinks aren't al- always alcoholic, but I like to talk about it in the very beginning for the same thing. Let's let's wet that um, imaginary appetite because we're about to talk about food, right? So let's stay in the traditional manner and talk about what we're drinking first. So the, the, the funny medieval one, um, I, don't, I don't even have a date for you. It just said medieval times, but their aperitif and aperitif of choice from what I understand was melted butter and mixed herbs. And it came in a little shot glass And it would be served at these really fancy, you know, know, the ones you see on TV with all the ballroom gowns and, you know, those big fancy parties and, you know, the lords and the, the kingdoms and all those would have is they would come and, you know, the first thing they would be greeted with is a tray full of melted butter and mixed herbs and little shot glasses. I found that pretty amusing. I don't know if you've ever tried that out there. I haven't, but I'm going to try it this weekend, see what it's all about. Why not? That's what it's, you know, that's what we're doing here, right? That's what we're doing. We're experimenting. So, you know, um, there's all kinds of of different aperitifs for different cultures. Um, You know, the most common is, you know, (laughs) I hate to say it, but the most common is a martini uh because it has you know the the bitters in there it has some vermouth it has all kinds of fun stuff uh the greek like to serve uh, orzo uh which is a uh, a fun one and i know i just mispronounced that um uh, i am sorry and one thing you will all find out about me is uh, i mispronounce things and i make up words so just kind of roll with it if you want to call me out on it awesome because I love nothing more than being called out on a mispronunciation or a misspelling. But, uh, yeah, just know that that's, that's part of who I am. Um, there's also, uh, you know, sherry or even vinegar. Apple cider vinegar is one. Um, that helps with digestion. You know, what? something I learned the other day that helps with digestion, and I've actually um, have tried this, and it really works, uh, because the enzymes in the fruit, it's uh, pineapple, eat, serve pineapple before you're serving a big meal. So say you got some, some uh, braised short ribs or, you know, some ossobuco and potatoes and, you know, big red meat, potatoes, vegetables, you know, multiple courses. Make sure in one of those first courses you're serving um, pineapple. Doesn't have to be a lot, a couple chunks. Maybe you serve it with like a strawberry and a little bit of like creme fraiche and, you know, some cinnamon on top or something. But get, get it in there because it will help your digestion and it'll help, um, everything in the long run. Uh, somebody served it before, uh, one of my thanksgivings this year. And I mean, who knows, you know, I may have noticed a difference, but I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, that's, uh, so that, that's a little breakdown of like, why, I talk about that, you know, I, I think that um, it, it probably feels a little weird at first, or maybe it did it weird, feel it weird first, or you got used to it. But, you know, I'm just trying to wet that, you know, wet the whistle a little bit, trying to get that imagination flowing, you know, through the, uh, the interwebs and through my voice into your radio or whatever however you're listening. But, um, yeah, so let's move on. What do we got today? Dough. You know, when I left you last, I gave you the recipe and the process, the first half of the process. So I went through the full recipe and uh, broke down, you know, the process of actually making it by hand. And I got to tell you, I saw some great pictures out there. I, I uh, One of my good friends that lives in Portland, uh, his name's Eric, he uh, busted out a, a beautiful looking pizza, and I'm going to repost that here in the next day or so, but... Um, the dude was, I mean, he was super proud. He sent it to me like 11 o'clock at night and he was like, check this out. And I was, I was proud cause, uh, you know, he's out there making pizza and that's, that's really all, you know, it's all I can ask. Like I've said before on this podcast, like if I, if I hit one person, I'm a happy camper. I don't even care about the other stuff, but, um, you know, just trying to seep my knowledge into your brains, probably not the best analogy, but we're going to go with it. Um, so, okay, so I left you with the process and I think the last thing I said to you about the dough is put it in your fridge and let it sit overnight. So you're probably asking Matt, what do we do with that next? Well, what are we going to do with it next? We are going to take it out and we're going to portion it into uh, specific ounces. And when we do that, You know, every every kitchen, I'm going to add to your list of, what what was it? First, it was a a thermometer. Oh, man, I can't remember the second one. Uh, Tasting spoons. Uh, Now, I'm going to add to that list. Every kitchen should have a scale. They're not expensive. Go to uh, Target or Bed Bath & Beyond or Fred Myers, anywhere. Really, any department store, grocery store, place, you can find a food scale. For under $20, they all pretty much convert, uh, from grams and then they go to pounds as well. Um, and we'll talk about weighing stuff as well, but you know, grab out your scale. And what I want you to do is I want you to take that giant dough ball that has probably doubled, which if it hadn't doubled, um, I want you to start over. So make sure that that thing has doubled in size. So we're going to take that out, dump it onto a flat surface and, Grab uh, a knife, um, scissors, whatever you want. And I want you to cut it into equal parts. So cut it into, I would say this recipe is going to make you about four to six balls, depending on the size of your pizza. So we're going to go four. We're going to talk four just today. And you want to cut that dough into four pieces. And then I want you to weigh them. And I want that first ball on there. You get on there, say it's. I think it should be roughly uh, 12 ounces, okay? Um, if it's over, cut it down to 12 ounces. So what I want you to do is pick a number of that first ball, whatever it's closest, either round up or round down, and say this is what everything's going to be. So weigh that thing out, put it aside, take the other piece, weigh it out to exactly the same, put it aside, put the other piece, weigh it out to exactly the same, put it aside. And then what we're going to do is we are going to ball this dough up. Now, again, I have a video of doing this on my YouTube channel. So go check that out for a visual. I don't know about you, but I am very much a visual learner. So I can hear things all day. I can read things all day. But when I see it is when I learn it. So what we're going to do is we're going to ball it up. And this is a really actually a pretty important step because this step is going to help you um make stretch the dough, okay? And when you when you're when you when you sit there playing with the dough and you're stretching it with your hands, if you don't do this process, um two things are going to happen. One, that dough is going to be super hard to work with. So it's either going to rip Or you're going to stretch it out to the side you want, and you're going to put it down on your board, and it's going to shrink. And i you have to stretch some more. It's going to shrink again. So we want to make sure that we take the time to ball it up and ball it up properly. And when I say properly, there's a certain aspect that just needs to happen. It doesn't have to look like a perfect ball. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to be quick about it. But what we want to do is we want to get on the counter, take both of our hands, Right. And we want to generally like we're make kind of like, you know, you're making a snowball, right? So get it into a round shape. And then you're going to pick the dough ball up and you're going to take with your thumbs and fold from the center out. OK, fold from the center out until you see this like smooth surface. And then once you see that smooth surface, I want you to take the other end of it and tuck it in like you're making uh, like like it's almost like a balloon. Right. So you're tucking it in and you're sealing off that backside, put it onto the table and give it a little roll and some dough, move on to the next. So again, we're taking our thumbs from the top and pulling out as we push in from the bottom, pulling out and pushing in through the bottom. So again, go to my website or not my website, but my uh, YouTube page and the videos will be on there. Um, You have to scroll down to the bottom. It was uh, some older uh, footage that I took, which uh, side note, please do not judge. (laughs) I was just getting into all this and I think I was recording with my iPhone and oh boy, I was watching some of them the other day with a friend and I was just like, well, you got to start somewhere. Right. but yeah, so go watch those because if you're a visual learner, that would make more sense. But the reason what we're do so what we're doing is we're really trying to fold it in on itself and then seal that backside because that backside if you once you seal it, then you have created a space and a space for those yeast. Yet again, we're talking about the yeast and what they're doing because they are vital to this situation. So once you seal it and you put it on the counter, Do it again. Do it four times. Get it on the counter. And then you're going to take a cookie pan, okay? Cookie sheet, cookie pan, sheet pan, whatever you want to call it. Um, You could do a cast iron skillet. Uh, You could do a cake pan. Just something that you can put these balls in, and they'll have a little space in between because they're going to rise again. So you're going to ball it up. Uh, You're going to get your pan. You're going to take a very light coat of oil, and we're going to put that uh, oil on the bottom of whatever pan you decide to use. And then you're going to take a towel and you're going to cover it. So put your balls in the pan, cover it with a towel, put it in the refrigerator for another 24 hours. So you're probably asking yourself, wow, we've got to do this another 24 hours. Is now a, what a two-day process? Yes, this is a two-day process. But what I can assure you is the outcome and the result of this pizza crust is going to blow your mind. It is going to make you question why you're out there buying pizza from these amazing pizza restaurants. Not that I want you to stop doing that, but I'm just giving you another tool in your toolbox of things to make for parties, things to make for kids, things to make for yourself, things to make for a date, whatever. You know, again, add it to your book, add it to your notes, and we'll move on. But what's happening? right there because we sealed that ball up and that ball is going to rise again. Believe it or not, we're, you know, we just took it and we kind of, we, we did a process called punching it down and that like took all that air that we let settle in there overnight and all that goes gas bubbles so the yeast are are burping, burping, and just burping out this gas and creating these bubbles within this dough, which is creating this beautiful structure. In fact, I have a cool picture that I came upon earlier today um, that shows the dough at the this middle stage and how I dump it out onto the counter and you see these long just strands kind of like holding on. Um, it's really neat, but it it shows that structure of dough that I'm talking about. And, um, I'll post that picture, uh, probably tonight or tomorrow, but that's a, that's a neat picture to to look at. But again, we're letting those yeast because we have, we still have some active yeast in there. We're letting that yeast go to town again, but this time going to town on the final product of what we're going to stretch. So. Again, cut it into portions, weigh it out, and if you don't have a scale, don't worry about it. You know, I'm going to tell you to go out and buy one, but at the end of the day, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Just get it. eyeball those things to be close enough and ball them up. Um, You can't be too far off if you cut it into four equal pieces, right? Right. Yeah. Check it out. (coughs) Excuse me. Well, anyways, so... We got that dough balled up. We got it on our oiled pan. And we're going to put it into the refrigerator. (coughs) Sorry. Okay. Went down the wrong tube. Anyways. Now, we're going to let that sit in there for 24 hours. And... The whole 24 hours that it's gonna sit in there, it's going to be creating this beautiful, beautiful structure within your pizza dough that is going to be fantastic. So, next day, 24 hours comes, you're getting ready to make your pizza. What I want you to do is about 20 minutes before you want to get that pizza in the oven, take your pan out, let it sit on the counter. You know, don't worry about uncovering it, keep it covered. But take it out, put it on the counter, and let it come, not fully room temperature, but let it come to get, get a little warmer, right? Because as it warms up, it'll be easier to stretch. So we're going to stretch this, pe- this dough out to whatever desired size you have. Um, I always recommend, if you've never done this before, do a cast iron pan. Because a cast iron pan is going to... B uh, that vessel that A gives you a perfect circle, and it's also going to give you a nice crisp on the crust. That the the cast iron really uh, retains a lot of heat, and so you get that thing hot. You can get that thing really hot, and you can drop your pizza dough in there, and it will. It's just like a pizza stone in in some some terms. Now you can go out and buy yourself a pizza stone at the store. You know, if you're doing it in a uh, home oven, I, I recommend doing that. Uh, that's a great alternative. Although I will say that they are only good for about one pizza. And the reason why is because the second you put that dough onto that stone, that dough is soaking up all that heat and it takes forever to get that uh, that stone hot again. So let's make sure that if we're, if we're going to do it in the cast iron, we're going to make one pizza. Now, there's another trick you can do that I learned uh, kind of the hard way, but it actually works really well, is you can take your biggest cookie sheet, right? <clears throat> and you can turn it upside down. So the walls are facing down, so you have a nice smooth surface. And you can actually put that thing in your oven when it's preheating so it gets nice and hot. And what that will do is that will also act like a stone. Uh, and then you can, you know, just slide your your crust right on top of that. And you'll get a pretty good cook off that. Um, but again, you know, to each his own. You try what you want to do. You know, if if you f- foresee yourself making a lot of pizza, then go out and, and get... Uh, Get yourself one of those little backyard ones. Those things are so versatile. You know, the one I have, I've been able to uh, take camping, uh, take on the road with me. You know, I've never taken it up to the mountain, but I've always envisioned about taking it up to the mountain. How cool would that be? You know, but if like you go on a little family vacation or a road trip. man, those things are are compact and um, they have stones in them. And most of them are equipped with a gas uh, type so you can actually get that that heat up pretty quickly although I always recommend doing the wood fire that's a little bit more of a labor of love though so just know that uh, you have multiple options of cooking so probably wondering what temperature you cook it at right you're gonna cook this thing as you're gonna get your oven um, as hot as you possibly can so I say anywhere between 450 and 500 And when you're, you know, one thing you want to do is like preheat your oven. Say you're doing it 450, totally fine. So preheat that oven 450. You hear the beep go off, beep, beep, you know, telling you that it's preheated. Give it another 20 minutes. Now, maybe 20 minutes is too long. It all depends. Uh, Let's say about 10 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. 10 to 20 minutes. Just give it some extra time because, you know, all that's telling you is like, oh, beep, beep. The heat has hit this amount of time. But as we know, the more we open that oven, the more, the, the, the more heat that comes out of it. And then that oven has to turn back on and get it back up to 450. So that's also another note is like when you put your pizza in the oven, don't sit there and consistently open it. Because you're going to do nothing but bad things to that crust if that happens. Utilize the light. If you don't have a light, put a little headlamp in there. Put a little, you know... Uh, do your best to pop it in real quick and then know what your what your timing is you 're going to have to experiment if you don 't have a light. My biggest thing my one of my bigger pet peeves is people who kind of like open the oven and look every you know five minutes because all you 're doing is letting the heat out you know we don 't have these big uh commercial size ovens that can you know recover the heat quickly so if you 're on a home oven man leave that door shut so you got your pizza dough you got it in the oven but you're like wait a minute what am i putting on this pizza well we're going to talk a little bit about the sauce or as i like to call it the base because this what you put on the base is going to determine the rest of the ingredients and you'll see what I'm talking about here. But the one thing that I really want to drive home here is there are no ends to what you can use for a pizza base. You know, we all know, you know, the, the uh, stereotypical one is tomato sauce, right? You got some places that are doing pesto. Uh, one of my favorite is garlic, fresh garlic and olive oil. You, got, you can put hummus on a base. You can put tzatziki sauce on a base. You can do barbecue sauce on a base. Peanut sauce. Shoot, you could do really whatever you want. Anything you can make a sauce out of, right? Um, you can put on that base. And you don't even have to do that. You know, there's a technique that I really like that I came upon. Uh, I think it was in Rhode Island. I'm not going... I, <clears throat> Maybe Mystic Pizza. I don't know. I don't want to be that guy that (laughs) is quoting the wrong one. But I had some pizza in Rhode Island. And they did this amazing thing. And, you know, I'm going to tell you what it is. And you'll be like, why is that so amazing? But I'm telling you, it makes such a difference. Where they put sauce on top. And so what they did was they actually put the cheese directly on the blank base, a little bit of garlic on that cheese, fresh, you know, minced garlic, and then dollops of tomato sauce on top. A little bit of basil, they cooked it off, pulled it out, threw some Parmesan and some uh, mixed herbs, and I mean, it does something completely different, and let me tell you why, because what it does, so when you put that tomato sauce on the bottom, right, then you put the cheese on top. So when the cheese melts, you know, cheese is primarily fat and oil. So when it melts, all that stuff is going down into the sauce, right? And so that sauce is actually changing because of what's in the cheese. So it's not actually hitting any direct heat. It's just getting all of that, you know, that melting goodness from the cheese into the sauce. And so it's, it's changing the flavor. But if you're like me and you're a complete sauce nerd where you want to taste the beautiful um, aromas and you want to taste the the tomato, you want to taste the herbs and the olive oil and the garlic and all that mixed together. And what that makes is this beautiful combination, but you want to taste it. You don't want to taste it mixed in with a bunch of cheese. So we're going to put it on top of the cheese. And there's going to be an aspect of that sauce that is just highlighted to the fullest, right? It's going to get direct heat. It's going to be on top of the cheese. So the cheese is still going to melt and get a little bit in there, but you're going to taste that sauce. And I don't know about you, but personally, when there's a bad pizza sauce, I can taste it right away. When somebody is pulling pizza sauce out of a can, out of a a number 10 can or You know, they're just grinding up a bunch of tomatoes and not doing anything to it. You can taste that right away. That's not pizza sauce. Grinded up tomatoes is not pizza sauce. I'm sorry. uh, If I offend you, then so be it. But it is not tomato sauce. That is not a a pizza sauce base. Our pizza, you know, tomato sauce is a mixture of any type of herbs, uh, olive oil, garlic, salt and pepper, And that's it. Stop putting sugar in your sauce. Okay. Stop doing it. You don't need sugar in your sauce to balance it out. Because if you use a good tomato to make this sauce, then that's all you need. Those, uh, you know, tomatoes are a fruit for a reason. You know, it it may not be just because of the sugar content, but it does have enough sugar content to make it a fruit, right? And if you get the right tomato, then you're probably going to be like, I don't, what the heck are people putting sugar in this for? Because it's sweet enough. I don't know if you've ever had a tomato dead of August Like go, go to your grocery store dead of August, grab some cherry tomatoes, pop those things in your mouth. I'm telling you, they are like candy. Those little like sun-kissed yellow ones. Those things are straight candy. I don't care what anybody says. Challenge me on that. So you're probably asking yourself like, what is that perfect tomato? Right? So, uh, you know, I don't know. I've been to a lot of different stores or grocery stores or whatever. Um, Maybe 7-Eleven doesn't sell them, but that's not a grocery store. Um, But you can go pretty much anywhere and get these. They're usually down low at the lower shelf for some reason, a little more expensive, but they're called San Marzano tomatoes. And I'm telling you, you will not go wrong. I always like to get them whole so I can grind them up myself because it makes such a difference. And uh, there's a beautiful scene, I ah, forget the movie, but um, I came across a, a documentary on um, pizza in Italy. And uh, this gentleman basically drove to all the little villages in Italy and he was, you know, kind of exploring uh, the different cultures within Italy of pizza. And let me tell you, they, they, they spread so wide. So, but uh, there was a scene of this, this gentleman making uh, sauce and he was hand-tearing uh, the basil on top of the tomatoes. He was, uh, you know, crushing the garlic with his palms, cutting it up real quick, putting it in there, you know, getting uh, the the sea salt, cracking some fresh cracked pepper, and then he takes with his hands, he puts his hands in the bowl, and he hand-crushes cru- hand those tomatoes, and he's just crushing them through his fingers, right? And there's an old... Uh, there's, there's this thing that my uh, mom used to tell me, and my mom is a full Italian woman, grew up in an Italian uh, household, Uh, well, at least for a little bit she did, but that's a whole other podcast, Um, but she used to always tell me this one thing. She said, Matt, when you put the oregano in your tomato sauce, put it in the palm of your hand and rub your hands together and let it fall in. And I was like, "Well, why, why do we do that? Why don't we just put it in there?" And she says, "Because it mixes with the oils of your hands." <laughs> and this is the funny part. And it puts your soul into your dish. And I thought that was the coolest thing. At the time, I didn't have any idea what she was talking about, but I think about it a lot now and and it was really cool. Uh it's it's a good it's a good thought, right? Because we're all taking the time to make these uh to prepare you know, this this pizza, which pizza is widely known for being such a, oh, I don't know, easy, you know, quick fix for dinner, you know, cheap, not healthy type thing, right? Wrong, first of all. Second of all, uh, we're going to look at pizza as it is our gourmet dinner um, because we're going to do things like put the oregano you know, between our hands and, you know, grind it up into the sauce. So picking those tomatoes up, grind them, mixing them with with the oils in your hands. And and I'm going to do a little side note on this. (laughs) Uh, This was long before the uh, era of COVID and when everybody had to wear gloves. So I'm going to stick by this, what I'm talking about, uh, because it's, uh, is the way I learned and it means something to me and I hold it close to my heart, which is you cook with your heart. You cook with love. And bottom line is that you're going to, you're going to touch food. You are going to touch food with your hands. You know, the beautiful thing about pizza is it's going into a, you know, 500 degree oven. I don't know what uh, germs live on a 500 degree oven, but I digress. Cook with love. And that is something that really uh, translates with a process, right? Is mixing the oils with your hands and then crushing it all by hands. And guess what? What are we doing again? We're creating something with our hands. We are creating it. Not a mixer. Not a blender. Not uh, somebody else. Not a knife. We are creating it. It is something that we can be proud of because we made with our hands, and I personally, uh, you know, that is something that I I take a lot of pride in, is making stuff by hand, you know, doing it the old school way, doing it the way that generations uh, generations ago were taught. Using our hands to make food is a beautiful thing, so. I will. Uh, I'll post a recipe for the Tom sauce or the to, uh, or tomato sauce for those of you who don't know. But to, I call it Tom sauce. Uh, it is just what I know. But it is such the structure of your pizza. So remember that when you're going through your fridge and you're like, "What am I gonna put on here?" Um, well, I got ranch dressing. I've seen it. Ranch dressing as a base. It happens. Uh, what do I got? I got some Parmesan cheese and garlic. Perfect. Throw a little bit of heavy cream. You got an Alfredo base. Uh, let's see. What else do I have in here? Um, I got some peanut butter and jelly. Don't do it. (laughs) You can just stop there. We can, we can put another podcast on that idea. But what I'm trying to get at is take away that tunnel vision. Take away those constraints. Of this is what has to be done. Be creative, experiment, try new things because that's what we're in the kitchen for. None of us are perfect. I don't care how many years of experience. I don't care if you're, you know, Mario Batali's uh, apprentice or you are Mario Batali. I don't care. Like you're not perfect. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to experiment. You're still going to create art and you're still going to put your heart on that freaking table and you're going to make something to be proud of. On that note, thank you everybody. It's been a long time since I've uh, got on here. I know it's only been a week, but that's a long time for me. So, get out there, start those pizza or start that pizza dough. Get it rolling. I'm going to come back in a few days. We're going to talk cheese, we're going to talk toppings. And then we're going to talk garnishes and what to do after that pizza comes out. Get out, check it out, experiment, experiment, talk to me, like me on the Instagrams, go to my YouTube page because you will see lots of videos on everything we're talking about. My website's dropping soon. Got it finished finally. Now just kind of waiting for the uh, technical part to get through. But it's really neat, and you're all going to love it. So get out there, experiment, be vulnerable, put your heart on a plate, not literally, but get out there and, and do something fun. All right, everybody, have a great night. Remember, food is love, and we will talk to you next time.